from this time forth and forevermore. And this is God's word. Okay, so if you remember where we are in these Psalms of Ascent, in Psalm 120, right before this, we see the pilgrim choosing the upward path of trial and difficulty to God going to worship. Instead of squatting in the world's front yard, he picks up his stuff and he gets back on the pilgrim road walking along. And the psalmist now finds that the path is difficult. The path is hard. But God is with the pilgrim on the journey, giving help, giving protection, and giving comfort. And that's what we're going to focus on today. If I could sum it up all in one sentence, maybe you want to write this down, boys and girls, or remember this later when you're at lunch. What's the sermon about? Here's what we're going to talk about today. God protects his people from real life danger so we can journey in peace. God protects his people from real life danger so we can journey in peace because pilgrims need help. And God provides it as a shepherd, as a soldier, and as a savior. So let's jump in and see that. First thing we're going to see is pilgrims need help. I'll never forget this day. I remember it very well. Shaylee had, uh, wasn't born yet. She was due very soon. It was about mid-November. We had lived in Colorado for about four months. And I had spent a lot of time taking iron supplements and doing a lot of walking, trying to get my red blood cell count up so I could acclimate, because there was like no air in Colorado Springs if you, if you moved from Mississippi like we did. Just, so we had to, I had to get some acclimation going, and it finally been four months, and I wasn't winded anymore. I, I, never, I wasn't getting sick, and so I was so excited. I was standing above Colorado Springs at this little park, Cheyenne Mountain, where NORAD is, is like right here, and this whole front range is here, and I'm looking at this path up ahead, and I am ready for a complete day of hiking. It's going to be awesome. I turn around and look due east, and I can see way off in the distance. I can see my neighborhood where I live, and even though I'm only like five to seven minutes out of town, I'm in the wild, and I'm looking forward to this great day of hiking. It's a little overcast. It's starting to snow just a little sideways. It's going to be a great day. But I am in the wild. I mean, this is like mountains. There's, there's real danger of falling, real danger of running into something that, you know, doesn't realize that you're at the top of the food chain and you have to have an argument about that. And so I want to be careful. And so I had my trusty companion, my hiking stick, and I had Malachi with me. Now, Malachi is not my friend. Malachi, I borrowed from a friend. Malachi was a dog was a huge dog. Malachi was an Alaskan Malamute dog. Now, I don't know if you know what these dogs look like. I found a great picture on the internet to help you get the relative size. That's not Malachi. I don't know who that guy is. But I want you to see the size of an Alaskan Malamute dog, okay? Malachi was a bit smaller than this, but not much. Okay, these things are huge, and they're only like two or three generations away from being a wolf. So they're still, they're very loyal, very obedient. They're still a little bit wild. So, he was my escort that day out in the wilds. I took this horse slash dog with me. Yeah, exactly, to go on this hike. And we're going to be hiking all day. And that's kind of the picture this psalm starts with. This pilgrim in Psalm 120 turns from the path of the world and starts up the difficult path with God. And the road, he looks ahead. He lifts his eyes and sees an unknown future. He sees challenges, he sees opportunities, and he admits he cannot do this thing without help. And he confesses, I need help and assistance to be a pilgrim. Because see up in these mountains right ahead of him where he's about to go where the robbers wait, where the bandits wait, 
where the idols' shrines are because they figure, you know, gods must live up on mountains because those are closer to the sky, so they put shrines up on the mountains. And those idols had very alluring worship, we could call it. But also up in those mountains is Jerusalem, is the temple. In a very real sense, God is in those mountains and he is traveling up to be with God. And so there's danger, there's opportunity, there's going to be struggle, and he needs help. The path ahead is unknown, just like us. Just like our future is laid out before us. Opportunities for God's grace, opportunities for us to mess up, opportunities for worship. You see, the Psalms of Ascent are about having a deeper, more robust faith, about walking that path. And one of the first steps to having a more robust faith is admitting that you need help to do so. We often don't do that because we, <clears throat> we have this idea that there's something wrong with my Christian life if I need help to do it. That somehow things are hard or difficult because God must be mad at me or disappointed at me, so I don't want to ask him for help because he'll even be even more disappointed. I need to suck it up and do better. Now don't raise your hand, but I know many of you think that way. And here's why most of us think that way at some point in our Christian walk. Because when we become Christians, brand new baby Christians, no matter what age we are, <clears throat> God pours grace into our life. He puts extra grace onto the life of a new Christian. And things just go well, emotional healing occurs, and you're just happier, and things are great, and you're joyful, and you love it. But then, after a time, it's different for everybody, after a time, God starts to pull that back and to get you into a more real-life setting. And so often what we do is we keep trying to figure out, what did I do wrong? Why is God not blessing me like he did when I first became a believer? And so instead of pressing on to the path of a pilgrim, we keep looking back to our Christian manger, so to speak, and how do I get back in the bassinet, bassinet with my blankie and my passy where it was so good instead of pressing on to the journey of a pilgrim? Stop looking back to that time of grace and be thankful for it, but recognize God has made you so you can move on. And so often we think, oh, I must have done something to mess it up. No, this is part of your growth. God, God withdraws that extraordinary grace so you won't be too happy in this world, as we saw last week, so you'll move on to a deeper reliance upon Him. You see, when life is difficult, if we don't have a firm grasp on pilgrim Christianity like that, if we don't recognize that the path is supposed to be hard and we're supposed to need help, we think something's wrong, and so we don't ask for help. Instead, we get frustrated, and we fall back to old temptations, or maybe we fall under a new habitual sin, or we end up abandoning the path altogether and squatting in someone's front yard because it's just too hard to go on. But if we ask for help in advance, if we look to the mountains and say, where does my help come from? We will make it to the outcome of our journey. Boys and girls, I want you to get this, so would you look with me at your verse 1. Here is what this psalmist says. He says, As I look at the uphill path in front of me, I know I will need help. See, boys and girls, it's okay to ask God for help to know Him better. And that's right where this psalmist's heart lands. He says, I'm going to need help. And then he remembers, oh, guess who can help me out? He remembers. Look with me, everybody, at your verse 2. Who is going to help him out? He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He says, oh, God is more powerful than anything that could hurt me because he made everything. 
Look who's going to help me. Wow. See, our help comes from the Lord. He's big enough to handle what's ever around that next corner. He's big enough to handle life's problems because he made everything. He's active today in life's problems. Did you hear me say that? He's active today in life's problems. So often in circles like ours, we, we tend to think that there's this idea that God is very active when we first become Christians. When we first, you know, we think we made some sort of decision to come to God, and He seems very active then. But then, once He gets us in, once we're saved, then it's, it's kind of up to us and our own staying power to grow and to do stuff. We don't really look to God's active power today. We say, yeah, He did stuff back then, but I don't really see Him as active today. The pilgrim says... This is hard. God, come help me today. Your creative power that made all things, would you please bring that power to bear in my life today? Because the pilgrim's hope is in that. God would use his power today because God protects his people from real life danger so we can journey together in peace. And so to pilgrims in need, God gives us, first he gives us the help of a shepherd, this psalm says. The psalmist is here, maybe he's actually on the path as he's writing this, or maybe he's thinking back, and he's, he's thinking of that winding path up to Jerusalem. Maybe, you know, there's no real roads in those days. These were all kind of just well-trodden paths, easy to fall, kind of treacherous. And maybe he sees a shepherd guiding his flock, helping them avoid a pitfall over here and keeping them from going on the wrong way here. And he thinks about how that shepherd has been with that flock day and night and guarding them predators and from getting hurt from eating the wrong thing and he thinks wow you know god's like that god's a shepherd like that here's how he says it look with me at your verse three and four he says he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps israel will neither slumber nor sleep see god is a shepherd who keeps his flock He's there. He won't let them stumble. He won't let them fall. And he will not let anyone hurt that flock while they're at rest because they may be resting, but he's not. He's guarding, protecting, keeping them. Do you believe that about your God? Or would you have to admit that you see God as much more active in the past, but you don't really know if he's active right now protecting you? You see, we can believe that God created the universe. We can confess that, yes, He has worked salvation through Jesus Christ alone, but we can still struggle to believe that God uses that power today for our benefit. Our boring, common, day-to-day lives, God's working there? You see, psalms like this help remind us, yes, yes, He is. They're full of metaphor. They're poetry showing us that God is active in the daily path, the daily walk of a pilgrim. And see, this was a real concern for them. Baal worship, the main fertility idol of, that they struggle with their entire history as a nation, Baal worship existed to wake Baal up. If your crops failed, if your cattle failed to reproduce the next generation, if your own wife did not have a child, it's because Baal was asleep on the job. And so you had to go to worship to wake Baal up, because that's why bad things were happening. And that sounds silly to us, I know. But they believed it. And this psalmist reminds them, your God never 
sleeps. You don't have to rouse him with your religious activity. You don't have to perform him to earn his grace in your life. Your God is awake and he's there and he's taking care of you right now. His people can rest because he never sleeps. He's always watching over his children. Boys and girls, look with me at your verse 3 and 4. Here's what he says. says, He will not let you slip and fall. And as he shows you where to walk, he will not get tired or need a nap. As he guides his people, he will not get tired or need to sleep. Boys and girls, have you ever been walking with mom and dad? Maybe you've been hiking. Maybe you've been walking through the zoo or something and you slipped. And all of a sudden there was a hand there to catch you and grab you. That's what the psalmist says God is like. He's always watching, always ready to grab us, not let us fall. And even when we are so tired, he's not tired. He will always watch over and protect his people. Isn't that a great promise, boys and girls, that God is always there? Because God protects his people from real life danger so we can journey in peace. All right, so God provides the help of a shepherd. God also provides the help of a soldier. We can take comfort in God being awake, of God's watchfulness. And this psalmist reminds us that as he's awake watching over us, us, he has the active defense of his people. Look with me at verse 5. The psalmist says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Think back to the idea of the keeper being the goalie in soccer or football. Protecting the team from opposing scores. Think of the keep of a castle designed, what, to protect the last refuge of the owners of the castle from an attack from an enemy. That's the picture in this verse right here. God is the guardian. Literally, the way to translate that word for keep here is he is the protection of his people. Picture a soldier ready to use weapons to protect those under his care. It assumes that we need protecting, first of all, It assumes that we recognize we need help, and we're thankful for that. I mean, guards were an essential part of journeying in those days. The peace we have in the the first world countries like America and Europe, that we've talked about this before, is not normal for most of human history. And we think of it as normal, hence, that's normal, and so we talk about what? Bad neighborhoods, right? Or a bad part of town. Well, in ancient Israel, it was all a bad part of town. If you were a pilgrim wandering through a bad part of town, traveling, going up to Jerusalem to make an offering, you're carrying cash, sometimes you have an animal for sacrifice, you're carrying a little bit of assets with you, it was not safe. You had guards with weapons to defend you. And he says, God is our guard. God defends us. Now, I want to be very clear here. The people who sang this song, the people who believe these words still had a guy with a sword walking with them. Okay, this is not an either-or proclamation. This is a both-and. Because God promises the ultimate protection. But it's not just regular protection. This is right-hand protection. There's a specific guardianship from an attack here. I want to give you the, a picture of what's going on here. I want to show you a picture of a, of a typical ancient Near East formation. It's called a phalanx. Okay, I think we have a picture of that here. There you go. You can see that? Yeah. So you got the guys with their spears and the guys with their shields. This is a, from a movie, but it's an accurate depiction of what a phalanx looks like. And this was a pretty standard formation for the ancient Near Eastern world. And if you notice, you got your offensive hand is your right hand, and your defensive is your left, and you got the shield. Now, if you're going to stab straight in front of you, can the shield be straight in front of you? 
Okay, this is class participation time. No, the shield's got to be a little askew exposing this part to attack so you can move your spear or shield. So how do you protect this part? This guy does. That's how the phalanx works. And so this guy was your buddy, your pal, your friend, because his shield is guarding your exposed side while you attack. The guy who is the shield on your right hand is your buddy. He is like, he's your wingman, okay? Football talk, okay? Ancient Greek phalanx, what's that? Okay, football talk. This is what, left tackle, right? Isn't that the guy who guards the blind side typically, right? This is the left tackle. He takes care of the quarterback's blind side. God is that person, he says. Where you're weak, God is right there to protect you. Isn't that a great image? We don't have to go to him and say, I mean, does this, does this phalanx work? Look, dude, I'm so sorry. I know you're busy fighting a battle, but I'm holding the shield. I need help here. Can you, can you please, I'm sorry, can, can, you, can you guard me? Is that how it works? No, it's meant. Of course you're weak here because you got a, a weapon. Of course you're weak. God's like, I know you're weak there. Don't apologize for it. I'm there. I got your back. And you and I keep, we're so busy apologizing for being weak, we don't step back in his grace and move on in his strength and protection. And God's like, yes, I know you're weak. Let's move on. Come on, let's go. Everybody, I want you to see how I want the kids to understand this. Let's all, let's all look together at the kids, verse 5. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, the Lord is your guardian. He protects you where you really need it. Do you believe that? The psalmist says God protects you where you really need it. Imagine if we believe that. God is an active guard for his people. I mean, as a pilgrim, sometimes we walk through places we don't belong. And sometimes we're walking through places that don't take too kindly to strangers. And isn't it nice to know that God protects us where we are weak? See, if you don't believe this, if we don't believe that God is right there protecting us on our right hand, guarding us where we are weak, we will never actually get out into the community and be around non-Christians in, in real deep relationship. And we'll have the high how you doing with the person in the next cubicle, but actually having a real relationship with non-believers, we don't do that because if we don't believe God is guarding us, we will continue to pray for evangelism. But we will never actually know anybody to evangelize because we're too scared to get out there. So we play it safe and we only hang around other Christians. We only get to know other Christians. We only have deep relationships with other Christians. But if we believe God is protecting us where we are weak, we have the ability and the courage to get out into a community that doesn't particularly like us all the time. To go to the scary places where non-Christians are and make friends because God's got our back. And it gets even better. Look with me at verse 6. In addition to our right hand, look what he says. It says, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. God won't let the sun or the moon beat them down. Put yourself in the ancient Middle East. The sun, that harsh desert sun. You cannot just plot on all day, can you? It will take you out with sunstroke, dehydration, all sorts of stuff. You must find a rest. You must find shelter from the daily grind of the sun if you're a pilgrim traveling. Oh, and in the daily grind of the journey of faith, isn't it nice to know that we don't just have to endure it? God doesn't call us to do that. 
He says, no, you must have a shade. You must have a shelter for your heart. And I provide that shelter from that daily grind, from the ongoing stress of the world, the ongoing stress of your jobs. We cannot endure the daily trials of faith. We have a shelter who helps us endure it. Without a place for our heart to go and rest, we will be exhausted and bitter and have no joy in our Christian walk. See, but God himself is that shelter. He says, let me protect you. Let me hold on to you. Okay, but now, that's sun. We get that. But what about the moon? I mean, that's not so bad, right? Why, why does we need protection from the moon? Well, the ancients actually believed the moon could hurt you. I don't have a slide for this. We're just going to do this verbally. I want you to think of the word lunatic. I want you to think of the word lunacy. And I want you to think of the word lunar. You realize they all got the same root word, right? Luna, Latin for moon. You know why? Because across the ancient world, they believed sun causes sunstroke, too much sun. The moon causes moonstroke. Crazy people had been outside in the moonlight too long. They just knew it, that the moon caused you to be a lunatic, hence the same word. The moon could drive you crazy, in other words. Now, again, that's not accurate, but they believed it. They believed that traveling by night was dangerous. Traveling by day was dangerous. But either way, God is the shade and shelter to keep you from those dangers. Isn't that a great picture? Isn't that an awesome picture? And I know we don't believe that the moon can drive us crazy, but there's stuff in this world that can absolutely drive you crazy, right? Okay, this means yes, and this means no, okay? You better all be saying yes, okay? If, you, if you're saying no, then I want to talk to you. And if you realize that one of the reasons most of us in this room are not complete neurotic messes is because we believe God shields us from those things that drive other people crazy. There are real concerns we should have in this world, absolutely, but they shouldn't drive us crazy because God is our shield. I could give you all sorts of examples. We don't have time. I got some really funny examples of this. If you come back tonight when we pray through the service, um, you just have to come back and see it then. But the point of this is this, that pilgrims have a unique perspective. We see how crazy the world is around us. We see how easy it is to be driven crazy. And without an anchor for our heart and the protecting presence of God, we recognize I'll be just as crazy as these people. And so it helps us love them instead of judge them because we recognize, wow, if God wasn't sheltering me, I would be just like that. And so we can go and take and show them a way to be better, to deal with this world better. Because this world is crazy and it will make us crazy too without the help of God. So can I just talk to you directly, dear Christians? If you're always scared, if you're always concerned about the future, if the news of the day really disturbs you, I don't mean like, I wish things were different, like you really like are scared about the future, you are not resting in the God who is the shade at your right hand. You need to repent. And you need to turn back to him in faith and trust and rest in his protection. And you'll quit being so crazy. Here's how we did it for the kids. Boys and girls, let's look together at your verse 6. It says this. He won't let the junk you face every day grind you down or drive you crazy. Boys and girls, are there stuff in your life that makes you crazy? Is there stuff in your life that makes you unhappy? I know there is. 
God promises to help you with that. He promises to protect you from that stuff. You can believe that promise, boys and girls. God's word is true. He is your keeper. He's your helper. Because God protects his people from real life danger so we can journey in peace. So we've seen his help as a shepherd. We've seen his help as a soldier. Now we see the help of a savior. You know, the ideas of journey, the ideas of stumbling, the ideas of falling and protection and being a shade, these are all pictures pointing to the reality of the life of faith in a messed up, difficult world. So to sum it all up, he says, look with me at verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. I'm going to zoom in on that last phrase there. He will keep your life. There's that word we saw again from last week for soul or for life. We would actually say in our usage today, we would say heart. He protects your heart because our hearts are prone to wander, aren't they? And so here's the assurance that the pilgrim from the previous psalm, if you weren't here last week, I apologize, but the pilgrim from the previous psalm recognizes he's a squatter, recognizing life is not working, recognizing he's just as frustrated as the world around him, but there's a better path. And so what does he say? He, say, he says, too long have I had my heart with those who hate peace. And so he gets up and moved on. The one who says that now, this psalm that comes next says, the one who says too long has his heart lived there, God will keep that heart from all evil. You can trust him. You can give him that and trust in his protection. He will keep your life, your heart, your soul. Now, this promise is not that Christians will never stub their toe, that we will never have injury, that we will never have trials, we will never have difficulties. No, the promise is that nothing in all of the evil and crazy around us will separate us from God's gracious love from his help from his guidance i want to give you a picture of what this really looks like i want to go back to my colorado story about hiking we've been hiking most of the morning about 11 o'clock that morning the sky cleared it was beautiful just baking us in sunshine i had my friend maul with me so and we get to this clearing where we we started out at about 7700 feet and the clearing is probably about 85 8800 feet so we'd we'd, we'd, you know gone up a good thousand vertical feet in about four hours tired and i get to this clearing it's about 30 yards round ovalish and there's this huge boulder right in the middle of it just baked in sunshine and so i sit on this boulder and it's big enough i can actually lay back on so i'm laying back on this boulder just enjoying the sunshine kind of praying a little bit kind of watching the dog just enjoying the day and maul is just running circles around me jumping the snow is about 20 inches deep at this point he's just jumping in and out of snow just having a ball all of a sudden he stops He looks due east, cocks his head, and I hear the subtlest, smallest little growl. And then he stops wagging his tail. And if you're a dog person, this next thing is for adults only. He takes that tail and he tucks it up under between his legs. And he comes and he sits right in front of me and just whimpers ever so slightly and just starts growling, looking due east. Now, look at the size of this dog. What scares a dog that size, right, is what I'm thinking. Big, bad hiker Sean is like, I am not at the top of the food chain currently, apparently. Something is out there that's bad. Now, when you're out hiking, one of the things you you either find out or you learn is that whenever you have a a bad encounter with an animal, it's not because it was stalking you. It doesn't want to see you either. Y'all typically ran into each other. It didn't know you were there. So 
I wanted whatever it was to know there was a human present. So I start singing loudly. And I can't sing, so that would, should you know, drive away the, Satan himself. But I start singing. I take my stick. I start banging it on the rock. I'm making as much noise as possible. You know, human being present. Steer clear. I get through one song, and I stop. He's still growling. He's still staring. And the trees are not that far away, so whatever's popping through that trees, I don't have time to do anything but just go, okay. I didn't know if it's, you know, Bigfoot, bear. I didn't know. So I go through another song. He's still growling. I sing a full third song. He's still growling. I'm scared. I want to go home. I want my mom, you know, whatever. Finally, after the fourth song, he stops growling. Stands up, wags his tail, and goes back to playing. And me, big bad Sean's like, I wish you could talk and tell me, what did you smell? I was planning on going even further that day, but I was like, you know what? My little brief interlude, not being at the top of the food chain, has kind of taken my, my joy away. We left. Went back home. I took Maul back to his owner, told him what happened, and he listened. He goes, yeah, that was either a, that's his reaction to a bear or a mountain lion. It's this time of year, it's a mountain lion. It's a good thing he was there. You do not want to run to a mountain lion alone. To which my response was, well, duh, right? <laughs> no, I do not. So, thank God Maul was there protecting me from that. Because that is what this psalm says God does for us. There's evil out there. It wants to eat you. It wants to destroy you. It wants to take your life. And God says he will guard you. And because he's guarding you, because you are his, he gives you the strength to recognize the danger and to live your life in such a way that you can avoid the danger. That's what it means that he's your guard. It's this wonderful mixture of his sovereignty and your responsibility to grow your faith. He is your shield. He is your keeper. He is your guard. And if that's not enough, the psalm ends with this amazing promise. Let's all look at the kids' translation of verse 8. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord will guard you no matter where life takes you for the rest of his life. As long as God lives, he says he'll take care of you. In the fear of the unknown, in the stress of life's challenges, the pilgrim rests in the truth. God is our keeper. Oh, Christians, do you see God as Savior and that he is bigger and badder than anything that can come after you? He's not just the result of some decision you think you made in your past. Being with Christ is an allegiance now, and you're on his team, and he is there empowering you. He's intimately involved in your life right now as your Savior. He cares for you. He guides you on the difficult path of faithfulness. Oh, in your trials, in your difficulties, rest in that truth, dear flock. And if you don't know Christ, if you would say, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian or not, you can know God as this kind of Savior. The promise of the Bible, the promise of Christianity is that day in and day out, the power of God that created everything from nothing, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, the power that protects his people even today is the same power that took your sins and placed them on Christ and took Christ's righteousness and placed it on his people. And you can have that if you believe. If you want this powerful help in your life, if you want to be free from guilt and fear, simply place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. 
Repent of trying to walk your own path on your own strength. And ask God to guide you and protect you. And he will. Let's pray together. Oh, dear God. We thank you and praise you that you are our keeper. We thank you, Lord, that you protect us, you guide us, that you are our shepherd, our soldier, and our savior. Lord, we pray that you would help us to believe the truths of this psalm, that we would see you as active in our lives today, building us up that we may be better disciples. Would you make it so, Lord? Make us more like Christ as we walk the path of life. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And would you please stand and let's respond to God's word together.